Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference is coming to Dallas, Texas, February 16, 17, and 18 in 2018. If you know of a better way to get the latest insider knowledge about crypto, to hear directly from the top minds in this field, to interact personally with 800 fellow crypto lovers, hodlers, investors, miners, traders, developers, and founders, then I'd like to hear about it. If you don't, then you don't want to miss out. Register today for the Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference. Go to BitcoinSuperConference.com and register today as a super early bird to get the lowest rates on tickets and hotel rooms. That's BitcoinSuperConference.com. Welcome to Almost Here, Around the Corner of Future Technology Podcasts with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used, or just around the corner, from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. And this is Richard Jacobs with Future Tech Podcast. Uh, my guest today is from a company called Loci Coin or Loci Coin. Uh, John Wise, the CEO. John, how you doing? Doing very well. How about you? Good. And uh, as we were starting to discuss offline, there's several pronunciations for the token, loci, loci, loki. Maybe you could just give a very quick uh, background on why you named it, the name the token this, and what those definitions mean. Yeah, so I'm, I'm from D.C., and uh, in D.C., we, we have these cicadas that come out one every, uh, once every 17 years, and cicadas are a, are a form of locust. But the interesting thing about these bugs is that they're, they're incredibly dumb on their own. Um, but when they're in a when they're in a swarm, they're really intelligent. Actually, they can go down and eat an entire crop and then lift up at the same time. That's one of the one of the many meanings for it. There's also a mathematical term for for loci, Loki. For the record, I I pronounce it Loki, but you can call it whatever you like. It's got the same meaning, the same pronunciation and spelling in about 67 languages. But the real reason that we named it Loki is based on a genius Loki. So the swarm is is a really big deal and has a lot of meaning, especially um, when it comes to a swarm intelligence for for ideas and inventions. But a genius Loki was was an old Greek thing, and maybe even the Romans. Nonetheless, it was a very ancient it's a very ancient way of telling stories. They the uh, authors or or storytellers would create these buildings, these things called memory palace, uh, a memory palace, and they would actually carve out statues and, and walk people along the hallways of these statues um, before the written word existed. And they would do that. That's to, funny because um, they have those mnemonics now, them. memory palace, you know, to memorize stuff. But go ahead. Yeah, the same, the same premise, actually. The exact same premise was that in our system, every, every search, everybody's uh, context and perspective of what they're getting, what they're receiving back in, in results, things like that. It's, it's completely unique to the, to the user. And, and that's where it came from was we wanted to make sure that there was a contextually correct and important um, result for that person that was unique to them. Interesting. All right. So what does uh, what does loci coin do? Tell me what the function is. Sure. The coin itself. So in order to explain the yeah. coin, I, I, I kind of need to explain a little bit more about the product. So ahead, sure. Loki is Loki is an intellectual property searching system, right? So we have a, a do-it-yourself patent mapping tool 
where you can go and research and discover if your invention that you've just thought of is actually new, if it's patentable, if it's novel. Now, that's sold by law firms, patent attorneys, as well as by us. There's some venture funds that use them. There's some other businesses that use it for, for uh, due diligence. But the biggest aspect is for inventors to be able to stake a claim and discover if their invention is, in fact, new. Mm. The concept for the coin came around that intellectual property aspect. We wanted to make sure, we, we wanted to create a place, a, a marketplace, a network where inventors could stake their claim to an invention without needing to go through all of the cost and rigmarole around filing a patent. We wanted to make it very cheap. We wanted to make it very easy and very fast. And cryptocurrency made a lot of sense for that. So, so for us, the very act of doing the search within the system, within our, our, our patent searching tool, actually ends up granting you the same legal right as a provisional patent does. It's the right to get exclusivity in a patent through, through the PCT process. Now, that can be its own asset class in general. It can be uh, intellectual property. It can be patents. It can be a product or a trade secret. But what we wanted to do was tokenize that so that anybody that discovered a new invention through our system could immediately monetize their invention without having to start a business and make a product and file a patent and spend the hundreds of thousands of dollars that it takes to do all of that. We could put everything onto a blockchain after getting an opt-in from, from the people. I, I want to make it very clear that anybody that uses the system, if they do not want their their technology or invention to get out there, it is completely confidential and locked in. We're actually bound by attorney-client privilege. Oh, really? But on, yeah. But on top of that, what was really important was that inventors wouldn't need to go through that whole process, the, the legal process, the product process, and everything else along those lines. Instead, they could immediately sell their invention or their technology, even if it wasn't a business that they wanted to go into. They could make some money on it through cryptocurrencies and low. So how would so someone's memorializing their invention on your blockchain, the Loki blockchain, mm-hmm. how would they have the same rights as filing a patent without filing a patent? I could see that it would be a, a proof of existence type thing, you know, where, oh, you know, I, I created this song on this date and here it is yep. memorialized in a blockchain. But how do you make that jump to actually, um, you know, having sure. a patent? Or something so that's, that's, that's part of the beauty of it, right? So you, you hit the nail on the head, right? The, the proof of existence. Now, the U.S. and the PCT, which is the Global Patent Filing System, uh, it's the Paris Convention, the PCT and the U.S. Patent Office, USPTO, both have a first-to-file system, right? And what that means is that if you had an invention today, and I had an invention, the exact same invention, but I filed it yesterday, neither of us would know that the other invention existed for 18 months until it was published, right? One of us would lose out. In fact, the, the person that filed first, regardless who had the invention first or who had the idea first, the person that filed it first gets the rights to it. Now, the trouble with that was that not everybody can afford to file a patent, right? It's very expensive. It's ten to $50,000. Well, there's also Especially the danger globally. of the 18-month 18 18 window, too, makes it even more precarious with not yeah, knowing what else course. is out there. There's no transparency at all, right? And this is a big issue for, for corporations as well. Like we're seeing this whole thing going on with Apple and Nokia and Kyocera, Samsung. All of that happened within that 18-month window. 
So they had no transparency. They didn't know that the other company existed. It wasn't a matter of them trying to actively steal something. They just didn't know. But on top of that, so so the way that the PCT and USPTO um, combated this first-to-file problem was that they made a a 12-month window for anybody that has a publication, right? So basically, as, so as soon as your invention is third-party discoverable, right, as soon as it's been discovered or is discoverable, like you've put it in a magazine article or you spoke about it at a conference or you created a product which you sold or you filed a provisional patent, you have the global exclusive right in perpetuity to that invention. However, you only have 12 months, a 12-month window to be able to file a patent on that technology. After that 12 months, nobody Mm. anywhere in the world can file a patent. Oh, it becomes a public domain? It becomes public domain, exactly. It's been published Mm. for more than a year. So that's exactly what we've tokenized. We're not selling a patent. We're not even selling intellectual property. What we are offering through tokens is the right to exclusivity, the right to file a patent on something. So the, the very act of doing the search, as well as filling out a, a web form, a very simple web form, similar to like TurboTax, uh, which is just a provisional patent web form, grants you the exclusive right to that invention, whether it is confidential and locked in through your attorney, but still has a stake or a, a timestamp that's on our blockchain, or if you host the entire thing on the blockchain. So you it get exclusivity, you but it also, it also starts at 12-month clock, right? Yes. So in our system, um, because we're kind of a hybrid, right? We're half blockchain and half off-chain. Um, in our system, as soon as you've discovered a new invention and you filled out that web form, even if you don't want your technology to go on the blockchain, that's fine. But in our system, there's a dot that's created. That dot is indistinguishable between a patent, an existing U.S. patent, or an invention that you've just discovered. As soon as somebody else clicks that dot deems it as relevant prior art for somebody else, which means it is now it has now been third-party discovered, and that is what starts that 12-month window. So you also want this to force the hand of inventions out there onto this 12-month clock to, to, what, to make things more um, public domain? Is that a, a reason you're doing it, or is, it a, is there, what other reasons would you do it? Well, a couple of things. So uh, one, I wanted to get rid of the stifling of corporate corporation stifling inventors, right? Two, I wanted to cut down the cost of invention themselves. Three, I wanted to cut down the waste around litigation, lawsuits, and, you know, corporate infighting. And four, I wanted to get more transparency out there so that people can continue to develop and build upon these ideas, not just coming up and waiting for one big invention. Why not work with the um, existing U.S. Patent Office to help get all their stuff onto a blockchain that there's no more 18-month window of invisibility? Well, time is the simple answer to that. It's a U.S. government entity that has 9,000 employees, and they move extremely slow. Right now, the window for actually filing a patent through to granting is right around six years. It's not just 18 months. That's That's just their publication time. So if you wanted to actually file a patent and get it granted, you got to wait at least six years. For us, it was seven and a half. That's crazy. Yep. So if I build a better mousetrap, I, you know, I memorialize it on Loki's blockchain, how can I monetize it 
maybe it'll help me pay for the patent. Maybe it'll. What else, how can I monetize it? What could I do with it? Okay. So there are a couple. Of, there are a couple of ways, right? So the first thing is that if you wanted to file a patent on it, we can't really help you monetize anything there, right? You're intentionally keeping it all secure and confidential, and that's mostly from a frame of time. However, what we can do is we can help to reduce the cost and the price of filing the patent um, by expediting the process with the law firm and saving you money on the searching, things along those lines. We cut down about 60% of the cost for, the, for a law firm or for you. That's great. But, Significant. But you can't... Yeah, it, it is. It is. But you can't really earn money that way, right? What you can do is that you could file a patent, so then you could license the patent after, you could sell the patent or something along those lines, or you could build it into a business. Great. We don't look to get rid of any of the existing process. We just want to make it better. Now, alternatively, if you chose to opt in and decided that you didn't want to actually go through the patent process, but you had a great idea that you thought somebody else could do, do a lot with, you could opt in to putting it on the blockchain, which memorializes your date, gives you an, uh, an immutable timestamp of when you thought of the invention, where it was, and we associate your user ID number, uh, the metadata of the timestamp, and a location ID of where the technology would sit in relationship to other technologies. From there, Loki would, on, on the other side, the, our back end here, we have relationships with a lot of corporations that are looking to actively acquire technologies. So I'll walk you through the process a little bit. So say, say you use 100 Loki coins to get a one-month subscription of the product. Now, it's important to, to note that you can either use tokens or you could pay with fiat. You don't okay. need... You're not locked into one or the other, which is important for setting a base price for the tokens, but we'll get into that some other time. So you could use 100 tokens to come up with, a, a, get a one-month subscription of the product, right? Of Inven is what it's called. Then say you discovered 10 invention, and say these 10 inventions are all microscopic speakers. We have an open source valuation metric, which is used to determine the value of any idea, and it's based solely on competition. Now, each of those inventions will say are worth a thousand coin a piece. Okay? So Loki would then look at your 10 inventions, would combine your 10 inventions with another 990 other inventions for maybe a cell phone. Right? We would find 10 screens, 10 batteries, 10 waterproofing cases, 10 microprocessors, all the other stuff, microphones, cameras. We would package it all together and we would offer that entire package to Apple. Once Apple says that it's interested, Loki would come back to you and acquire each of your inventions for 1,000 coins. Now, you spent 100 coins, you got 10,000 in return. But here's where it gets really interesting. Apple can buy all 1,000 inventions. However, it has to buy those 1,000 inventions with Loki coin. So, because there's a fixed amount of coin in existence and in circulation, Apple would need to come back to you or anybody else and everybody else maybe in the market to acquire, say, 20 million coins to buy all 1,000 inventions. You then can mark up okay. the price from $2.50, of which you bought them at, to $25. So now you spent $250 mm. worth of coins to get the subscription, came up with 10 inventions, got $25,000 worth for your inventions, and then sold your $25,000 worth of coins for $250,000 to Apple. How, do you, um, how can these coins be fungible then, meaning they're all equivalent? 
there's different inventors are going to price things differently depending on interest and, and all that and demand. Yeah, so so the equivalency is is a little bit more complicated, right? So there is a secondary market price. Now, Loki has no control over the secondary market price, but that makes it inherently complex for valuation. You have to think about an active, you know, day-to-day or a minute-by-minute valuation for each of these coins. So what we did instead was we open-sourced our valuation metric. We had one to begin with in which we use predictive analytics to actually determine how many inventions there can be in any logical branch, right? So think of it this way. Um, you just came up with a new invention. We derive context, right? What does that thing do? Not what is it called or where is it being used, but what does it fundamentally do from your search process? From there, we then combine the context of two or even two million inventions together in order to understand all of the branches and use predictive analytics to determine all the deductive possibilities of invention from the combinations of every invention that exists. Now, that's a pretty big scale thing. Yeah. But the point of that, the point of that is that we can use that to accurately determine how much innovation potential there is left. How many inventions can exist in any given marketplace? From there, we created a very open and transparent valuation metric that says, look, invention one out of 5,000 possible inventions is worth a lot, and invention 5,000 out of 5,000 is worth next to nothing. You'd integrate, a, you'd integrate the entire potential value of derivative inventions from one to, to give a value to it. Yes, exactly. And also show the inventor, hey, you forgot about this, that, and the other. Yep. You know, they also could be invented as well. Yep, exactly. That's the other side of that is is suggesting and, and kind of prompting for like an aha moment, right? You say, hey, you know, your invention one of, of 5,000, you really ought to keep going at this and come up with more inventions because there's nobody else doing this yet. It sounds like you have some pretty insane AI in order to be able to do that. I mean... Not AI. Have you, have you done test cases? Or, um, oh, machine. Oh, yeah. Okay. We've, we've, we've been building this for nine years. We have one of the largest, can you give me, not um, the largest patent in the world. Or sorry, in the U.S., not in the world. Can you give me, um, I don't know if you're able to, but can you give me a case study or two, you know, uh, an invention that, you know, it's safe, it's patented, no one's going to steal it by you talking about it, let's say, but and what kind of derivative well, thing sure. the system I, came up with? Yeah, I mean, so so we, we go historically back in time as well, right? It's not just going into the future, but it's also looking at things that have happened before. And that's what helps to, to refine and define how many inventions have existed. Think of it this way, right? So at first, in order for you to understand the full breadth of context for something, you have to understand what must have come before any given invention today in order for that thing to exist, right? Hmm. You can't understand the purpose of a tire if you don't understand the purpose of a wheel first. You can't right. understand the purpose of a wheel if you don't understand the context of an axle. You can't understand the purpose of a bearing if you don't understand an axle and a wheel. Does that make sense? Yep. So we, we use the searches done by everybody, right? We keep them completely confidential and locked down, but we use the searches in order to derive the context. What does this thing fundamentally do? And then we combine that context together with other things. So I can give you an example. Like um, in, I want to say in the, well, long, 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 long time ago, we had journalists and newspaper articles, right? There was media back in the 1500s, right? right? There, there was media itself. 
Then in the 1900s, early 1900s to 1920s, radio really came around, right? Nikola Tesla, radio waves, phonographs, things like that. And then later in the 40s, we started to have uh, cathode ray tubes that were used for things like radar, okay? However, it wasn't until 1957 that we had television that was broadcasting radio signals from, from a station to a TV that was incorporating media and journalism on a television that could be displayed in somebody's house. That is something that we would have determined in milliseconds. Okay. The same thing could be said for LEDs and TVs or LEDs and lighting or circuit boards. I mean, there's, there, there literally are 64 billion to the 64 billionth power of combinations here. Well, tell me, I mean, you must have a pretty good crystal ball there. I mean, you know, any surprising, Uh, it's not a crystal ball, man. This is why I call it Loki. It's not a crystal ball, right? This isn't, this isn't magic. This is everybody in the world actively using their ideas and their minds together for some greater collective. Right. I mean, well, I say that because, you know, like Isaac Asimov said, any technology sufficiently advanced is magic to people that... uh, (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) This is one of those prestige uh, comments, huh? Oh, so, you know, I mean, no, it sounds very impressive. So if you sat there and run it and looked at queries and you have all the inside scoop on, you know, on what's being searched and what your system is saying is related to that, et cetera, what, what kind of surprising insights have you gotten? I'm sure you've gotten a bunch, you know, or <laughs> that you can share. Anything well, you, uh, so, you see that you think others don't see because of this? Yeah, I mean, yeah, yes and no, right? So, so for one, this all happens at a much greater rate than my puny, you know, human brain could handle. This is all very, very, very fast-paced algorithmic analysis and, and, and uh, query, right? So this isn't something that I just sit at my, at my desk and I watch what others are searching. I don't do that for a couple of reasons. One, because that's crazy to do. Um, and two, I want to make sure that every inventor understands that it's completely confidential. There is no, no person other than your attorney and you that's looking at these technologies. Okay. So sorry, sorry but to I mean, burst your bubble. I don't, I don't have any, any fancy insights. My, my magic ball is, uh, is broken today. There's got to be some, you know, when no one's looking, you must have sat and looked at the system and, and seen things that, you know, piqued your curiosity or seen holes in innovation yeah. where people really are not going. So you, you've got to have seen well, something. There, I mean, in order, there in order to create this, you've got to be curious. You know? Yeah, yeah. There, there is one of them in particular. It's called Loki, and uh, there, there's this cool company that's doing intellectual property asset uh, mapping and selling through blockchain cryptocurrencies. But other than that, I, 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 there's some cool inventors that I work with. Um, there's a couple of uh, biochemists that are working on some pretty cool cures uh, for some diseases. Um, there are also some people that are working. At, I'm, I'm working with this guy actually in Virginia who's got a, a food replicator. He uses spirulina algae and is suspended in water and uses LEDs to almost print food or medicine or feed for livestock out of algae. And at the same time, he's purifying water. It's pretty neat. Yeah, it is. Okay. There's some. There's some cool stuff. But that, that has more to do with me working with the inventors directly than it does me having some backdoor into the system. I, I don't have a backdoor into the system to be able to see everything that's happening. Oh yeah, no, I didn't think I, that you did, but but even even with um, no, maybe I, actually I did think you did. 
even if you don't have such a thing, <laughs> you still can use the system. And I, so I just wondered if anything unusual or really interesting came up with it. That's why. Yeah, I mean, I, so so I use the system every day for myself. I, I got into this business because I've been a, a, a fairly profound inventor for about 15 years. I spent 15 years as a mechanical and aerospace engineer, actually, which is which is why I wanted to start this business. I've, I've gone through 1,500 inventions and have uh, about nine patents now. And I just know how horrible, horrible this process is. Hmm. Oh, I wanted to make it better. What? Okay. Gotcha. All right. Well, you know, we're about out of time. Topic is so expansive and interesting. I mean, we could be on for a long time. But let's. Uh, w- w- what stage are you at with your tokens? Are you in... Uh, ICO stage, pre-sale, and you know how can people get in contact with Loci and, and start yep. a dialogue so, with you? So we have pre-sale out right now. We're doing a SAF, which is the simple agreement for future tokens. The only other company that's done a SAF to date was Filecoin through the same law firm, Cooley, doing mm-hmm. ours. We're launching 5 million tokens at a 10% discount right now. Any of the listeners that are US accredited investors are welcome to go and uh, go to our website, loci.io. The SAFT is right there available. We're about halfway right now. Uh, we just launched today at 9 a.m., and I think we're about halfway through the, through the sale. I think it'll probably close tomorrow, but we'll see. It's going to be, uh, okay. it, it, if it doesn't close, um, if we don't reach our cap, it'll continue to stay open until August 31st. And then the crowd sale is going to be coming out October 31st. Unless something changes, we're, we're playing with the idea of maybe doing a couple of smaller ones, um, like $10 million every month. Okay. Very good. All right. Any, All right. any other ways to contact you in addition to the website, or is that about it? Yeah. Any, anybody can shoot the message over to invent, I-N-V-E-N-T, at L-O-C-I.io. Okay. Well, very good. Well, Either thank you for coming or... on the podcast. Yeah, thank you very much. The Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference is coming to Dallas, Texas, February 16, 17, and 18 in 2018. If you know of a better way to get the latest insider knowledge about crypto, to hear directly from the top minds in this field, to interact personally with 800 fellow crypto lovers, hodlers, investors, miners, traders, developers, and founders, then I'd like to hear about it. If you don't, then you don't want to miss out. Register today for the Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference. Go to BitcoinSuperConference.com and register today as a super early bird to get the lowest rates on tickets and hotel rooms. That's BitcoinSuperConference.com. You have been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.